We uh, are very privileged this morning to welcome Charlie and Jane Curtis at Living Home Family Church. Of course, you were here last week too, but I love it when you're here and able to fill the pulpit. So I just want to acknowledge them. These are actually extended family of mine now too, because, you know, that little marriage connection that happened there with uh, Luke and Juliana. Well, anyway, we're so excited to call these guys family in the Lord and family for family's sake. So um, you're never going to get away coming to Living Hope without filling the pulpit. You know what I'm saying? It's just, it's not going to happen, buddy. (laughs) Charlie and Doug have recently taken uh, some overseas trips and uh, are going to be doing some more. So we get to hear about Nepal once in a while from uh, from Doug. But uh, Charlie and Janie are missionaries. They live uh, in Nashville, Tennessee, or just outside of Nashville somewhere right now, but do mission work all over the world. And I'm very excited that they get to come and share some of their heart today. I've asked Charlie just to go ahead and teach from the Word today. I'm sure he'll tell you some about his missions and so forth. But would you welcome Charlie and Jane Curtis? Thank you. I'm going to pray for you real quick. Can I do that? Heavenly Father, we pray for Charlie. We pray that you just inspire him by your Holy Spirit. May our ears be open to hear what you have to say through this wonderful man of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Pastor Eric. Wow, what a great honor to be able to do this. I didn't expect this because last week, um, Pastor Eric was setting up his second part of Psalm 84, and I really love that. And... uh, he actually asked me after the service, will you speak next Sunday? I said, I, I think you need to do it. You've been gone a long time, and I'm looking forward to it. Okay, but we saw each other on Wednesday, and then he, he said it again. And I said, absolutely. It's really an honor. Well, let me share with you several things about ourselves. Jane and I are here. Jane, just stand up. She's, she's so wonderful and beautiful. And I'm going to say, without my wife, I would never be in ministry She has inspired me and really challenged me and been such a strength. And we're a team. We do this together. Uh, We we have been working with an organization called International Missions uh, Project. And I just want to give it to you. This is our little... our information. If you want to send us an email, we'd love to send you some updates because we do uh, send out updates. Unfortunately, we went through a lot of calamity uh, with technology and we lost all our mailing lists. So if you are on our mailing list prior and you'd like to get back on, we, we need to hear from you. But this is who we are. And we've been ministering primarily in Southeast Asia. This is a picture of Penang, Malaysia, a place called Georgetown, which is the center of the, the old city. Uh, it's a very Chinese-looking old uh, clay tile roof uh, place. This is where we stay, Jane and I, on and off for about eight years, but not in that part. Uh, this is part of the island. It's an island of a million people, 70% Chinese people and uh, maybe 20% Malay Muslim people and uh, the other Indian, uh, Indian ethnicities. We live just a little bit beyond, if you see that hill in the back, um, uh, right towards the top of the frame, and there's four towers sticking out of the back of that hill. We live just behind there for so many, uh, so many years, and we sought to find uh, apartments or places back there because that's where our children went to school. We climbed that hill. Jane climbed it more than I did, but we did it with our dog, and we were... We were a lot more fit than we are today. Anyway, so I always show pictures of food that we like and 
This is one of my favorite things to eat. It's called Hokkien Mi, and I'm going back there on August 17th, and I'm, this is going to be one of my first stops, I've got to tell you. But, uh, and I think you know that, uh, that Eric uh, came to Penang, and we stayed in our apartment, and uh, he shared at our home church there called FGA Center, and blessed them so amazingly. And then he and Bob Sorge came back and uh, did Easter services there. And so you've got a history and a legacy there already. I'm going to another church in Kuala Lumpur, a very excited, a jumping up and down. Everybody's under about under 40. They jump up and down, and I get exhausted. I mean, this is rocket fuel, this church, and I love going there. They're so excited. This is a picture of a train station where we lived. I, I can't tell you how many times we've been on that train and in Singapore, in Singapore. And uh, we, we have had a, a great, great love for the, for the Singapore people. It's a little bit different than Malaysian culture, but they are, they are neighbors. And so, oh, help me there, Greg. I don't know what happened to me there. Thank you. He's got all the power back there. This is, our, this is one of our worship leaders at our church in Penang named Melvin. Yeah, and uh, he's had a chance to go to India and lead worship seminars and, and to teach, and he's got a music school. Here's a pastor, a great friend of ours, and his daughter and his wife, Pastor G.P. Lim, and uh, we love going to be with him. And by the way, that's called Xiaolongbao right there in that, in that basket, and we love eating that. Picture of something on, on the residential street. This is a Bourgainville, a hybrid. Look at this thing. It's amazing. Everything grows there. It's just absolutely amazing. I get the chance to have some of my ministry translated into Mandarin, and I get very excited about that. I really do. I think you know that Mandarin Chinese is the most widely spoken language in the world. I think 60% or 59% of the world's people can speak Mandarin as their first language. Although English, thank God Almighty, is the world's language of commerce and education. But uh, we, we get very happy when we have the chance to minister in Chinese. Now, these are pictures from Nepal. This is our co-worker, Pastor Nade in the white shirt, baptizing. And Doug and I will be going there in November. Is it October or November? I can't remember. So uh, anyway, here, here, here's a baptism in a, in a Himalayan river. And these are all brand new converts. And they do this every month. Sometimes 9 to 10 to 12 believers in Christ are baptized in water. And aged people coming to know Jesus. That is an amazing thing. You know, in our culture, young people come to Christ. It's, it's very, very difficult to see an older person come to Christ. In, in, uh, in Nepal, old people are coming to the Lord. And they are doing village ministry in this place uh, and uh, sharing the gospel from house to house. Well, here's one of my last pictures. This is a, another food picture. She's f waving this charcoal fire over uh, something called satay chicken. And if you've ever eaten Thai food, that'll be on the menu. And it's also Malaysian. And here's a picture of somebody who I feel is what Jesus was talking about. The greatest in the kingdom is the servant of all. This man is a servant of servants, and he has blessed our life, he and his wife, and he's our lifelong friend. He's been, he's been in our home in Singapore, and we're waiting for them to come to America. I have this as a last text because 
we feel really committed to this. The, the, just the burden for missions remains incumbent upon our hearts. Jesus said this, that this gospel must be preached. And sometimes if I put this in a newsletter, I'll capitalize must. It must be preached in all the world. Asia comprises, um, wow, it's, it's over four and a half uh, billion people, Asian people, and the majority of them have no real understanding of the gospel. And we, as, as a believing people in, in the United States, we are a sending nation. And uh, it is just a real privilege. I took this picture in, on a crowded street, a place called Mong Kok in Hong Kong. And I mean, this is one of the most crowded places in the world. And I thought, this is very, very typical of what Asia should look like. It's people everywhere. When we were living there and when we came back to the United States, we came back and we were walking around thinking, where are all the people? And there's so much land everywhere. But uh, we, were, we were also felt closed in sometimes with so many people. Well, anyway, that's, that's about all I'm going to share in terms of pictures and missions. But we just covered your prayer. Doug and I are going back. We're going back at the end of October. That's what it is. October, November. And uh, we're, we're looking forward to it. By the way, those baptism pictures and all of that, everything that Doug and I are doing is not really legitimately legal. And so we need covering for prayer because um, I, I, I helped baptize in that river. And... Uh, Wow, you know, by the grace of God, we, we, we are flying under the radar. And it's really fun to be 007 sometimes. So, for Jesus. Is everybody ready for something from the Word? I've got 27 minutes. 27 minutes. You know, pastors have 11 commandments. Have you ever heard this? We all have 10, but pastors have one extra. Preachers, pastors, teachers, Bible teachers. Number 11 is this. Thou shalt not bore. If we are boring, did you get that? If we are boring, we're breaking a commandment. We have the greatest message in the world. And if I see people kind of, oh my goodness, Lord, help me. I'm doing something wrong. I have a simple message. This has been on my heart. I was praying about this uh, <clears throat> when Pastor Eric asked me to share. And I, I thought... This is a simple truth that is constantly ringing in my heart. And it's so simple, but yet so profound and deep. I, I've been challenged by the scriptures that I'm going to share with you. My key text, if you have your Bible, you want to read in your own translation, you can look at Matthew chapter 24. I will put it on the screen. Before I read the scripture, let me share with you an illustration, a story which is possibly legend. It can't be confirmed, but I've heard it preached and I've read it. The Apostle John, he was the longest surviving of all of the apostles. And when he was aged, he could no longer walk. But he was, uh, by the way, he was a resident in Ephesus uh, and uh, he lived and took care of Mary. This is, this is likely historical fact and we were, the, we were there in Ephesus in Turkey. Jane and I are going to Turkey next month. Um, and so we just covered your prayer about that. But um, John was carried into a church service amongst people who were waiting to hear from the man who 
saw Jesus. He handled Jesus. He laid his head on Jesus' breast. They were waiting. What, what is he going to say? What revelation is he going to give to us as a church? And as they sat John down, he looked at the congregation of believers and he held up his hand and he just said a few words. He said, love one another. And if you read 1 John, you read these are these are, are love chapters about loving God, loving God and loving people and loving one another. And this is what I want to share with you. Love God, love people. When I thought about the title, I thought about a church that's in our community nearby, actually, in Franklin, Tennessee, where we used to live. And uh, this is what's on their sign, love God, love people. It's their mission statement. Sometimes I think I've seen mission statements and vision statements of churches that are so long and complicated to prepare a people ushering in the coming of the presence of the Lord in latter days, you know, and so long. This is so simple. Love God, love people. Just say it with me. Love God, love people. This is what the Bible says, and this is what Jesus extols as the great commandment of Scripture. One of them, verse 35, a Pharisee, may I insert that? One of them, a Pharisee, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replies, and he quotes from Deuteronomy chapter 6. It's called in Hebrew the Shema. Israelites, Hebrews, they all, they all know this by heart. Love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest commandment. Love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. This is beyond profound. And it's so simple. And yet, as I've thought about it and prayed about it, I've thought this cannot be accomplished unless we receive Jesus Christ. How can we love God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind? How can we? We err, we veer away. Our heart is pulled and tugged in so many directions. And yet this is what God is calling us to. I think I just want to pray before I carry on. Would you just bow your head? Lord, we pray that this message will not just be words, but you will speak to our hearts as you've spoken to me in preparation and that this will be a revelation of your heart towards us, your heart for us, your heart working through us. I thank you for this church and thank you for this great honor to be here. And may we enjoy the fellowship of your presence, Lord, and the fellowship of one another as we're camped out around your word for these few minutes. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, when, when we're in Asia especially, but even whenever I preach in the United States, I like to make sure that there's some gospel component. Some people will hear the idea that if you don't know Jesus you can receive him because he longs and yearns to have a relationship 
with you. And our salvation, we can't love God in our own strength. I think you know that, don't you? You know, there was a time in my Christian life when I said to the Lord, Lord, I can't do this anymore. I can't, I can't do this. I think I have to quit. I, I can't be a Christian. I can't be a believer. I can't do this. And it's almost like I, I heard God saying, and I don't say that lightly, by the way, as a, as, a, as a believer. I don't say God spoke to me, God spoke to me, God spoke to me. But I feel like he really impressed upon me something like this. Now you're getting it. You can't do it in your own strength. Somebody say something. Amen? We can't do it in our own strength. We need the empowering of God. And we need to really start this relationship with God. How do we know that we are walking with God? How do we know that we're saved? You know, the, the Bible says that Jesus finished his work on the cross. I just have a few few thoughts here. Jesus said these three words that split history in two. John chapter 19, verse 30. It is finished. It is finished. And we as believers in Christ, we need to rest in the finished work of Christ. That's an important phrase to remember. The finished work. What does that mean? We can't add to it for our salvation. We can't add to it. I'm sure Pastor Eric and Tammy will just tell you uh, as they continue to download more of their stories. And we, I, I still want to hear more. I, we, we've enjoyed hearing them about their, their, their walk on the Camino. But the idea is that at the end, if you, if you make the walk and you arrive, that there's some, some blessing, of e- some eternal blessing that is there. There, there are people in Asia, and I don't have any photos. I could have shown you, but uh, I, I was ill-prepared to have um, good, good photos from our ministry. I have stood as far as I am away from you, my friend, from people who have pierced themselves with skewers through their cheeks, through their tongues, limes stuck on either end, hooks all over their body with pots of milk and spices, Hindu people who are carrying heavy loads up a hill and getting to the top. And if they touch the altar, there is a some sort of promise of eternal blessing or in the afterlife. Of course, they don't believe in a guarantee of eternal life. They believe in the cyclical uh, life of, of reincarnation. And it's, it's a torturous way to live. There was somebody in, a, in, in the pastor's photo that I showed you. His name was Jonathan Lim. He had a young Hindu guy come to his church. He received Jesus Christ. He was, he was just getting discipled. When that festival, it's called Taipusam, when it came around, this Hindu festival to skewer yourself and pierce yourself. And some of people get whipped. We've watched it. I've prayed. I've interceded in these moments. Watch a procession of dozens and dozens of people doing it. He wanted to go back, this young guy, and, and pierce himself and, and hook himself just to try and honor God even more, to be more devoted. And the Lord spoke to him in church and said, My son, you don't have to pierce yourself because I have been pierced for you. The finished work of Christ. Somebody say amen. amen. We need to rest in that. 
keep that phrase in your heart, the finished work of Christ. And because of that, Jesus has promised, I will never leave you or forsake you. Charles Spurgeon, he's been called the Prince of Preachers, the greatest preacher that uh, likely that England produced in his, his generation. Largest church in London called the Metropolitan Tabernacle. And he made a statement. He said this, I spell religion do, D-O. Do, do, do. There may be people who are attending church this morning out of obligation, D-O. The problem with D-O is at the end of your life, if you've done do, 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 do so many things, there's no one who can tell you it's enough for salvation. There's no human being who can say your D.O. is sufficient and you will get into heaven. I want to share with you, I, I sat next to a man on a plane. He was a Muslim man. He was a dear man. I just enjoyed talking with him and meeting with him. And I said to him, Mohammed, I said, can I ask you, are, are you... Are you, are you born Muslim? He said, oh yes, my name is Mohammed. My name is Mohammed, I, I'm Muslim. I said, that, that's wonderful, wonderful. I said, Mohammed, can I ask you in, in your, because I'm a Christian, I said, can I ask you about, about Islam and in your religion? When you leave this earth, where will you go? What will happen? Do you know that you will you'll go to be with God? He said, no one can really know. That's why we, we must do. And the, there is something called the five pillars of Islam. I'm not going to recite all of this. But this dear man, I shared with him in simplicity. I said, Muhammad, Jesus died on the cross and shed his blood and rose from the dead so that if we will believe in his work, we will have eternal life. We can have eternal life and straight away. That's, that's what they say in Asia. Straight away, right away, from this life to the next, we will, we will go to be with Christ. That's the promise. Now, I'm, I'm going to tell you, he didn't receive the Lord, but I announced the message of salvation. There is no religion in this world that gives assurance of eternal life. So Spurgeon said the problem with D.O. is nobody has the authority to tell us that it's sufficient. But Spurgeon said, I spell Christianity D-O-N-E. Christ has accomplished it. And if you've experienced this, you have the gift of eternal life. If you've received Christ, and if you haven't, today should be the day. It should be the day. Well, move along, but maybe I want to share with you an illustration. There's an author named Brennan Manning, Brennan Manning, and uh, he was a hero to uh, Rich Mullins. If you remember, our God is an awesome God. Brennan Manning, I read his book called The Ragamuffin Gospel. You want to read a book that will shock you, get that book. It's grace on steroids, the grace of God on steroids. It's just an amazing book. He tells a story, he writes a story there from, from Spain, in fact, from Madrid, Spain, he writes this story of a young man and his father 
who were constantly at odds with each other at home. And this young man, he decided that, you know, after an argument, he would just leave home and he stormed out of the house and he didn't return. And the father was angry with him. But then after a while, the father was longing for him to come home. He started looking for him going around the town looking for him, all his, his usual haunts, asking his friends. Nobody knew where he was. And after weeks and months, the father decided to take out an advertisement in the, in the local newspaper, a classified ad, and he wrote in the back something like this, Dear Paco, I want you to know all is forgiven. I desire you to return home with all my heart, I forgive you. Signed, your loving father. P.S. Meet me in front of this newspaper office at 12 o'clock on Saturday. Dear Paco, all is forgiven. Meet me in front of this newspaper office at 12 o'clock. Well, the ad ran all week. And on Saturday, the father went down to the newspaper office around 11.45, and there was a crowd outside that newspaper office. Brendan Manning writes, they were all young men, and they were all named Paco. (laughs) All young men wanting to be forgiven by their father. You know, if God would say something to you, it's come home, all is forgiven. He's calling you by name. If you've never received him, it's so important Don't neglect if you've never received. And if you're far away, you can come home. One of the great, great missionaries of India, and I think you need to know this, that the missionary force in the world was largely championed by women. Amy Carmichael of of Ireland, was she Irish or was she Scottish, Jane? I think she was, I think she was Scottish. She, wrote, uh, she, uh, she w- worked in Ta- Tamil Nadu, India, mostly with rescuing children out of child prostitution. Her first girl that gladly received Christ and came into her home and she began an orphanage. Her name was Prina. Prina, the first one rescued. Amy Carmichael said this, you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. Somebody can give casually, toss some money at something, even serve without loving, but you cannot have love without giving. God so loved that he gave. Because of God's love, God gave, and he gave the very best. So love God, love people is the message. I see three statements that relate to each other, three commandments in the Bible. The great commandment, which we just read, love the Lord your God with all your heart. The second one, which is love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus gave us a new commandment as Christians. A new commandment I give to you, John chapter 13, verse 34. It's the first verse I've ever memorized. A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another 
as I have loved you, by this will all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. He said that to us, love one another, just like John the Apostle in that sermon that I shared with you. And then it follows, and I believe the corollary, the outgrowth, the birth of love in our hearts is to give it away to others. The great commission, sharing the gospel, Matthew chapter 28, 18, all authority is given to me in heaven and earth. Go therefore make disciples of all nations, uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always even to the, the, unto the end of the age. Jesus gave us this commission and it's, it should be uh, an outgrowth of the love of God from our hearts. It's not laid on us by obligation uh, alone, but it's laid on us to carry it with, with love. Now, let, let me just go on. 1 John 4, 19 says this, We love him because he first loved us. And beloved, if God loved us, we ought to love one another. That's our calling. We're to, we're to love one another. We're to love the world. One of the, the early church fathers, I read some of his work. I, whenever I post a quote or something like that, so, sometimes people think, well, you, you're so widely read. I, I've only read a little bit of the early church father from uh, North Africa, Tertullian. But he wrote a statement in, in some of his writings concerning the church. And he wrote this, this statement concerning Christians. The deeds of love so noble that lead many non-believers to put a brand or a label on us as Christians. That people point out, he's a Christian, she's a Christian, he's a follower of Christ, because of love, because the way we love one another. See, they say, how they love one another. It's really, a, a, this is the testing ground of our faith all the time. And we need to let go of divisions and disunity in the church. Can you say amen? You know, disagreements, hurts, and wounds, they're, they're going to happen all the time. And they've happened to every single one of us. But we need to minimize those and accelerate love and honor and respect. We need to forgive because forgiveness is, is a great, great attribute of God's nature I forgot who it was, and I, I had a quote here to look at, but uh, an, an author made this statement, we are most like God when we forgive. We are most like God when we forgive. Now, you know, we have a little phrase in the world, I'll forgive you, but I'm not going to forget it. <laughs> but that's not forgiveness. The Bible forgiveness is when, when you forgive, you let go of the, the hurt. It doesn't have an impact on your relationship. There comes a story, and I read this, uh, um, this book called, I think it was Jesus in China. Look, read it a long, long time ago. There, there's a story from a village uh, of, uh, of Chinese people, not, not a whole lot of Christians, but in this village, uh, a Chinese family had a, had a chicken wander into their, to their garden or their yard. This chicken wandered into the yard, and then the chicken laid an egg in their yard. And uh, the woman said, wow, you know, whose chicken is this? And uh, this is not our chicken, and here we have an egg here. Well, they ate the egg. 
and uh, the woman put uh, tied around the leg of the chicken a little envelope with some small money in there and wrote a note said dear friends you know we, we know your chicken the chicken was going to go home obviously they always go home and dear friends said your chicken came and laid an egg and uh, we wanted to pay for it and um, and by the way you know do you know that Jesus loves you or something like that they shared something about the gospel and what a testimony it was no one would have known that they ate the egg that the chicken laid an egg but they wanted to honor their neighbor and let the testimony of Christ go to the neighbor. Let's go on in scripture. I know this is, this is a little bit of a smorgasbord here. It's a little buffet table here, if you're okay. A few illustrations, a few scriptures, and we'll close. Everybody say amen. amen. Okay. I knew you liked that. By the way, I'm going to read from Philippians chapter 2. Do you know Philippians chapter 3, Paul, verse 1, Philippians chapter 3, verse 1, Paul said, finally, my brethren, and he went on to write two more chapters. <laughs> so uh, I think, Pastor Eric, you, you qualify, I qualify, finally, my brethren. So that's what I'm saying right now, okay. Well, let me read to you a Philippians text. This rocks me and shakes me, and I have to say, Lord, I can't do this, but... You can do it through me. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. Well, guilty. I, 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 do, I do things through selfish, through selfish acts. But in lowliness of mind, here's the difficult part. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. I, you mean I'm to think of you better than me? more than me i'm just i'm to think of you i'm looking at some of the men i'm looking at you and thinking how can i do that i think about me more than anyone else thinks about me i think about me all the time it was it used to be a joke when we first got our missionary pictures you know we first went to live overseas we had a photographer in our church she took these beautiful pictures we all you know so many photos we were in a photo studio this was a long time ago and uh, when we started to look at all the proofs, I said, I like this one. Jane said, I don't like that one. Look at me, I kind of look goofy. Yeah, but I look good in this one. You know, who's the first person I look at when I look at a picture that I'm in? Me! Let, let loneliness of mind, let esteem others better than themselves. I, I thought about this one time, and I thought, you know, a Christian thing that maybe we might think we could do. If somebody doesn't have a watch, my brother doesn't have a watch. So I just say, brother, you don't have a watch. Let me, let me give you my watch. And I hope, I hope you can, it keeps good time. Here you go. And give him that watch. And then I go out and I buy a better watch for myself. One that I've been looking at thinking, <laughs> that's the one I really wanted. And now, Lord, aren't you, aren't you so honored by me? I gave away my watch. But I was, I was really, you know, looking to get a better watch. Well, I, by the way, I'm putting it back on. I'm not giving it away. I told you how selfish I am. Anyway, the Christian, the way of God in the scripture is, I keep this watch and my brother who doesn't have a watch, I take him and I buy for him the watch that he wants for himself and I pay for it. Help us, Lord, or as we say in Asia, H-U-L, help us, Lord. I can't do this, but Jesus, you can. 
you can do that through me to esteem others better than myself, more important. Let each of you look not on his own interests, but on the interests of others. Let me illustrate this. Maybe you don't know who this is, Albrecht Dürer. He was an artist. In fact, I, I was getting a chance to teach in a Bible seminar in Nuremberg, near Nuremberg, Germany, and I went to see some of his artwork. Uh, Albrecht Dürer, of course, you know, he's, uh, he, he was a master, but the story of Albrecht Dürer's life is this. He had tremendous promising talent as an artist, as a young person, and he had a friend who had great talent also. His friend's name, and I don't know his family name, but all I know is his first name was Franz. Franz and Albrecht were drawing together. They, were, they showed promise and they wanted to take formal training, but it was expensive and they were both poor. So Albrecht Dürer and Franz made a decision with each other. They said, let's one of us work and fund the other to go to, to, to art school. And if perchance by God's favor, because they, they did honor God in their own way, that if we get favor and, and our art starts to sell, we will be able to fund each other later after, after the promising career produces revenue. So Albrecht Dürer, Franz said, I will do it. His family work was masonry, working with stone, working with brick. And Franz worked and worked and worked and worked and gave of his labor so Albrecht Dürer could become who he was. Well, Albrecht Dürer became famous, but the problem was with Franz, his hands became so gnarled and so beat up that Albrecht Dürer couldn't really produce sketches and art the way that he could when he was younger. And so when Albrecht Dürer had a commissioning from a work from a nobleman in Frankfurt, Germany, Albrecht Dürer was commissioned to to sketch a, a, a sketch, and it was con concerning prayer. It was going to be these praying hands. Now, I, I think you've seen this. How many have seen this? This is such a famous sketch. Well, like Paul Harvey used to say, if you know who he was, now you know the rest of the story. But the rest of the story is, these are the hands of Franz, his friend that his friend who sacrificed his hands with brickwork and masonry to pay for Albrecht Dürer, he chose this. Could we do that if the Lord called us? Could we sacrifice to put somebody forward and ourselves lesser? Love God, love one another, love the world. Here's my last illustration I want to share with you. William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, I read his biography and read several things about him. He was such a, wow, he's such a bold man. They had cutting edge ministry in, in England. Do you know what they did? They, they went to the street corners with brass ensembles and played brass instruments and they played gospel hymns and they sang and preached on the street corner and people came to Christ. The Salvation Army, they were very radically committed to seeing people saved because England was in such deep, deep need. 
And uh, in fact, somebody we know very, very well has gone to be with the Lord. He preached for the Salvation Army in the United States on street corners. He, he's been gone with the Lord, and he, he, was, he was in his 80s when he was gone. So this is a long time ago, probably the 1920s or 30s. He was preaching on the streets. That's what they did. And people came to Christ. Somebody asked William Booth in his aged years, well, the, in the United States, they asked him to come to America to be the plenary speaker for the Salvation Army Conference in the USA. And it was going to be held in New York City. And William Booth, being aged and he was frail, his vision was failing, he felt he could not go. And so William Booth sent, said he would send a telegram to outline the vision that he had for the Salvation Army's work in America and globally, his vision. And he wanted to send a telegram to inspire all these delegates. And it was really hundreds of people who were gathered there in America. Well, the time came, the conference came, and the, the chairman stood up and said, we've received a telegram. They told the story, what I just said to you. We received the telegram from... Uh, General William Booth, he couldn't be here, but he's here to share with us his passion and his vision. And uh, in this telegram, he had not opened it. Well, when he opened it, the telegram had one word, others. This is my vision. This is our vision, others. Can it be any more simple? others. Love God, love people. Let's stand up and let's receive some prayer right now. And I'm going to turn it back to Pastor Eric. Thank you so much for this great honor to be here. Others. I want to tell you a friend of mine preached this message. Um, well, I preached a message and he incorporated this illustration. The church went out and they, they got these, these wristbands. If you it's not too fashionable now, but they just printed on it, others. Wearing that, walking around town, others, others. Let's just pray right now. First of all, I just want to ask you this question. If you've never received the Lord or if you're far away from Christ, you know, you, you feel the fishnet of God's love just drawing you and tugging you. Just like Paco, come home, all is forgiven, come home. There's no place like home. Home is where God's heart is and it's for you and he's tugging you and drawing you. If you've never received the Lord, if you're far away from God, just come home and you can make this known to Pastor Eric or the elders here, or any leader here, they'd love to pray with you. And this can be your spiritual family and it should be your spiritual family, for you to grow in Christ and be nurtured. But Father, I ask right now that you will just touch us, Lord. When I look into the mirror, Lord, I see a man who's failed. Jesus, I, I have failed, but Lord, my heart is crying out, give me a heart for others. And Lord, I can only have your heart for others to the depth that I've understood your love as well for me. So Lord, would you do that for us? 
Just give us a revelation of your overwhelming love for us, your great passion for us, that we are always on your heart, we're always on your mind. You said prophetically that you've engraved us in the palms of your hands. Your nail prints are really the names of all of humanity, every soul, every human is upon your mind because of your great love. Lord, we can't conceive of it, we can't understand it, but Lord, for us individually, would you just give us a revelation more and more of your love? And out of that, Lord, would you empower us to love one another as the church? I just pray, Lord, in in every home that's represented here, may there be a new rekindling of love. Every marriage will have a new spark of love and appreciation, affirmation, sacrifice, giving, serving one another. Lord, may you just open our eyes towards the beauty of of the relationship of marriage for one another and children and family members, Lord. I thank you, God, for every home represented here. I ask God that you would give us that. And out of this empowering, Lord, would you give us a love for the world because Wherever we go, there are people who need you. And Lord, we can just start by saying a kind word and we never know where the conversation will take us. Maybe we can plant a seed and maybe we'll be privileged to lead them to know you, Lord. Give us a heart because Cape Cod needs you, Jesus. And you love this place, Lord. You love the millions who are here in the greater Boston metro area. You love people, Lord. Give us your heart. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.